Hello and welcome to episode 5 of A Need to Read. So the fifth episode, that means that I'm probably going to be on Spotify from what I've read on the internet, which is brilliant news. So that's another platform in which people can listen to it. So if you're fed up of YouTube, you can get over to Spotify um, or of course you're on Apple Podcasts as well. Now, this episode, um, I just want to start it off by talking about something that I put on my Instagram story the other day about someone that bought me a book. It made my day. Someone had sent me a book. So instantly, my mood was lifted. Self-esteem, through the roof. I'm thinking, right, I've got a fan, which is great news. I never thought in my whole entire life that I'd have a fan. So someone bought me a book. I was really, really excited about it. I put it up on my story, asking for people to own up. Um... My sister replied to it saying, oh, you look happy. So I was like, oh, great. Yeah, no, I do. I do. Someone bought me a book. How amazing is that? And the next day, I overheard her on the phone to my mum saying it was her that bought me the book. So uh, if anyone was worried about who bought me the book or who had my address, uh, apparently it was just my sister. So if you're listening, thank you very much for buying me the book. It was very sweet. And if anyone else wants to send me books, then please feel free to do so because it was a real self-esteem boost and it made it seem all worth it sitting inside when it's a sunny day recording a podcast which I actually really enjoy doing so send me a book or don't I'm still going to be pretty happy either way now this week I actually read two books at once because one of my friends once told me that it makes your brain bigger science behind that is limited because I've searched for it um, and I've searched for the benefits of reading two books at once and it doesn't seem to be too many but it kept it fresh for me which was great now the first book that I'm going to speak about is Man's Search for Meaning. Now, that was written just after the Second World War. This book was written just after the Second World War by an Austrian neurologist and psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl. Now, the reason I've read a book about the Holocaust and the Times World War is because personally, I'm feeling a bit trapped at the moment, like trapped in my house and stuff like that. So I really wanted to get a bit of perspective just so I'd stop feeling sorry for myself because the situation that we're in really isn't all that bad when you compare it to sort of what people have been through in the past now not to be part of that sort of that culture where they just sort of compare how we are now to how things were so long ago and why we're so lucky to be alive now but like things really aren't that bad I still have to have I still get to have sorry my peanut butter and eggs on toast every day and yeah I have peanut butter and eggs on toast so if you haven't tried it I strongly suggest trying it. There's your first tip for the day is give that a go. Unless you're allergic to peanuts and you don't really want to commit suicide. So obviously don't do it if you're one of them. Now, it is relevant at the moment. We are stuck inside. People back then in the concentration camps were stuck in the worst conditions imaginable. And it's not something I'd really looked into uh, since school. You kind of get a brief understanding that was like, oh, millions of people died um, in concentration camps. People were kept in inhumane conditions, forced to work in the freezing cold, clothes were shit, they were shaved, they were pretty much stripped of everything um, that made them human. Now, I hadn't realised that in concentration camps there are these people called capos. So they were Jews that basically controlled other people that they were sort of the the ss's go-to people within the camps and they it was like delegated responsibility from the nazis to the jews to look after the other jews that they'd kept in the concentration camp now in my opinion i was thinking right well these people are absolute snakes um just to get themselves a little bit more food and sort of save themselves obviously i haven't been in a situation like that so god knows sort of how i'd respond 
if I was shoved in a concentration camp, and I, I'm sure I never will find out. I'm very fortunate to be in that position. But this is one man's account of how life was in concentration camps and how awful they were, and a story of how him and many of his comrades sort of survived. Now, a word that comes up quite a lot is comrade. There was a sense of community because they were all in this together. And he talks about searching for meaning at a time where your whole life is stripped back. Your career doesn't matter. Your social status doesn't matter. You're just stripped to nothing and chucked in horrible accommodation with a load of other people in the same position, eating next to nothing every day and being beaten and forced to work pretty much slave labour. But the subtitle of the book is A Classic Tribute to Hope from the Holocaust. And that is what it talks about quite often and, and it is a story of hope now what i said just then about people's careers not mattering there was one kind of exception around that time and that was if you were a doctor now he obviously was a doctor he was a neurologist and a psychiatrist and he, there's points in the book that he hints towards the fact that that may have saved him a few times being a qualified doctor and having that before his name although he said that he always used to seem to keep back the fact of what type of doctor he was with fear that they would think that he was no longer useful to him and he'd be sent off to the gas chambers and obviously killed. Now there's loads of quotes within this book that stand out and can be taken into life now which I think is it's always powerful when you read something that's from from a time that was so sort of different to the age that we live in now and that the main sort of bulk of what it is is so relevant to us. Now, obviously, there were times where people in these concentration camps, they would get depressed and, and their only route out in their eyes at the time would be suicide. And he talked people out of suicide a number of times that he talks about in the book. And he says that it's not what you expect from life, but it's what life expects from us and sort of rising up to the challenge. So it's not a case that, oh, my life isn't going the way that I want it to. So I'll get out of the way of it is more a sense of what what does life expect from us and what does that mean to you, whether that is being a good friend or helping others get through certain situations. And I think that's the, the role that he took on there, is, is his meaning in his life was to be that guy, that go-to guy to, to help those in that sort of situation. Another couple of quotes that were really powerful for me from this book is, he says, when we cannot change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves. And that is so true. And it's very stoic of him to say so. But there's a lot of times when we can do absolutely fuck all about the situation we're in. But the only thing we can change is ourselves. Another thing that ties in quite nicely to that is he, he talks about the last of human freedoms. Obviously, everything had been stripped away from them in these camps. So the last of the human freedoms was the ability to choose one attitude in a given set of circumstance. And that can be, that will be true forevermore until we're taken over by artificial intelligence and there's no sort of gap between stimulus and response and no need for attitude because it doesn't exist anymore because it's just one attitude but hey that might not even never happen to that may have just been a waste of 15 seconds of me talking so along the same lines there another great quote from the book is between stimulus and response there is a space in that space it is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Now that could be anything. That could be someone calling you a wanker when you drive past them going too slow. It could literally just be a text from a friend saying something adverse or a family member giving you some bad news or 
anyone giving you some bad news. You're always going to have that space in which you get to choose your response. And if you choose to respond in a way that's different to the way that you usually do, that's when you're going to grow. And that's the sort of freedom that you have every day to make those choices. And if you're on on a path of wanting to grow, then always remember that between stimulus and response, there is a space just to repeat it so it settles in. Now, I'm not going to go too much further into that book. It's actually a really short book, um, eye-opening and incredibly powerful, but really, really short. The last sort of few chapters, he talks about logotherapy, which is some therapy that he invented after the Holocaust or before. He doesn't actually specify that. I think it was something that he was working on before the Holocaust, but they'd taken it from him, so he had to rewrite it. He's a very stoic man. It's really short. It's really well written. So I definitely recommend having a read of that if you're feeling like life's particularly unfair at the moment, just to give you a bit of perspective that could be worth. But like with probably all threesomes in the world, someone has to finish first. And I finished that book first. I finished it because it was so short and I was actually really gripped into it. So I finished that about four days before the last one. So I'm sure the gap's not usually that big in real life threesomes, but who'd know? Now, Lost Connections is the book that I'm going to talk about next. It's such a good book. The subtitle of this book is Why You're Depressed and How to Find Hope. It's written by a guy called Johan Hari, and he basically goes around the world talking to a load of different people about depression. So he starts off the book with a story from his life when he was traveling in Vietnam, and he ate an apple that turned out to be covered in pesticides that basically made him shit through the eye of a needle and start throwing up everywhere. And when he was in the operating room of the hospital, he said that he needed some painkillers and the doctor said to him, no, we need the pain so it tells you what's wrong. Which leads him on quite nicely to his sort of attitude towards antidepressant drugs and stuff like that. Now, of his opinion, from what I gathered, it's that it's the drugs sort of numb the symptoms that we need that tell us something's wrong and don't necessarily fix the root cause. Now, I'm not professional in this sense at all, obviously. Otherwise, I wouldn't talk the way I do about it. So just please take it all with a pinch of salt. But I want to let you know why I read books like this. I think as people, we all have a responsibility. So it's not only to ourselves, but to those around us to get educated on depression, anxiety, and and pretty much all things in terms of mental health. Like I said in the first episode of this podcast that I've experienced it. I think I'd be stupid to think that one day again in my life, assuming that I live a little while longer, but obviously we can live in hope, that it will probably come around again and I'll probably experience it one day. But I I read these books so that not only am I better prepared to deal with it myself, but if I have friends or family members that feel in a certain way, that I'm not there just going, oh, cheer up, mate, you'll be all right. Because let me tell you, there's nothing worse than that. As much as it's it's lovely to hear, I'm sure, but telling someone to cheer up when there's actually something wrong with them where they can't is fucking useless. So if you're one of those people, you're the person that I want to read this book. And I think it will help you and it will help those around you. And that's the most important thing about this. So there are so many good chapters in this book that I could talk about. And I don't want to ruin it for you because it's actually such a, like a, a nice book to read. And the fact that you're actually learning all the way through 
you don't even realise until the end and you look back and think, oh, I'd, I'd actually never thought about that before. Now, obviously, in the name, Lost Connections, he talks about the connections that are lost in which potentially cause depression. So there's like disconnection from meaningful work, disconnection from social values, intrinsic values and stuff like that. His sort of definition of depression and, and the way that he looks at it, he says, what if depression is, in fact, a form of grief for our own lives not being as they should be? And what if it's a form of grief for the connections that we have lost but still need? And stuff like that, like meaningful work. The job that I had before I went to Australia, as much as it was, some people love it, I felt like it was a frivolous job and, and there, was, it, there was no meaning in it for me personally. So I'd just lost, I'd lost all sort of motivation and, and that kind of disconnection from meaningful work. Like I'm, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a doctor, I'm not going to have people saying, oh, well done, you've saved my life. I understand that. But for me, it wasn't something that was giving me enough to make me feel like I was doing something meaningful. But that's enough about my life for now. Uh, back to the book. He discusses a, in so many like nice stories for each chapter, and they're all different, although they all link as well, which is obviously how clever writers write, which is good to see, because it keeps you engaged. In the end, he talks about how to reconnect things, and he talks about something that I, I'm really intrigued by, and he talks about treating depression with psychedelics. Um, so psychedelics in Greek means mind manifesting so making thought real uh, there'll be so many things in your subconscious that you don't even realize are there now there's a lot of studies and, and a lot of high-end people do psychedelics in search of finding a higher self sam harris who's an incredibly smart neuroscientist and author and philosopher he talks a lot about drugs and and their sort of roles well when i say drugs let's say psychedelics just to make it sound a little bit better he talks about their role in sort of helping people find meaning and, and reduction of the ego and therefore sort of leading a happier life. Now, psychedelics, I haven't had too much experience with. I'm, I'm not here to lie to anyone. I have experienced psychedelics. I haven't necessarily found a higher self. The main sort of time that I've ever tried it was when I was in Amsterdam and I was about 21, so it was about four years ago. I did some truffles or mushrooms or whatever they are out there. I did feel like I was connected somewhat to nature and I was looking at trees and I thought I could see them growing. And I remember saying to my friends at the time that they just didn't get it. And I I'd sort of, I felt like I was a more intelligent being than all of them. Obviously that was a load of bullshit. Um, I'd probably just taken the wrong dosage and was going a bit wacky. But in the end, I pissed myself. As in genuinely, as a 21-year-old male... I wet myself. So just to be very clear, I'm not condoling the use of psychedelics if you're depressed or if you're happy or whatever. Um, it can be fun, but you can also piss yourself and that's a very real risk and I'm sure you can die. I was fortunate enough just to piss myself. So not condoning it, but I mean, if you can do it safely and you like doing it, I'm not here to judge either. So he also talks about like meditation and prayer as well in a sense of how to how to stop people being depressed. That interests me massively. Now, spirituality, in whichever form it comes, is great. Whether you're a Christian, a Muslim, Jewish, or one of those people that literally just like shoves crystals up their ass and searches for their higher self, I'd probably classify myself as the latter. Not to say that I've shoved crystals up my ass, but I've 
definitely meditate and sort of search for a bit of deeper meaning in life. I'm an atheist, so I can't necessarily do that through the thought of a god said in very loose sort of quote marks. But some sort of spirituality and something for people to believe in and and to look deeper into, I think it's fantastic in terms of like giving you a bit of meaning and and searching, getting to know yourself better. And once you get to know yourself better, of course, you then understand things that might not be going so great for you, uh, which, of course, would be great if you're depressed and you, and you get to see those different bits and you get to face them head on. I, th- I think a lot of times people are wary of meditation. Nowadays, of course, it's growing and that's that's great because I can tell you the days that I don't meditate compared to the days that I do, I 100% feel a difference. But he put those, he talks about that and it's a really long chapter actually at the end of the book that he talks about like the psychedelics and, and the meditation. So if you're interested in that, the last chapter of this book is so good. I, I honestly can't praise it enough. But another chapter that really stood out is sort of the disconnection and the reconnecting with a sense of society. Um, he says that loneliness isn't the physical absence of other people. It's a sense that you're not sharing anything that matters with anyone. Now, sharing is caring and everyone knows that in a sense when it comes to when you've got a bag of chocolates or a cake in the office. But sharing is caring when it comes to your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings. So don't forget to let people know that they can be comfortable sharing things with you because a problem shared, a problem halved is a problem solved or something like that. Who knows? But you get the gist. Now, I was going to edit that bit out, but I've got to keep it real and just let you guys know that I am a moron that just likes chatting shit at the end of the day. So still, like I said, don't take everything I say for gospel. But the sense of society is something that's really important and it's something that we definitely lack in this day and age. People, they just don't like each other. You walk past people on the street, you smile at them. It's honestly like you just kick their cat into the road under a car. It's mad. I was walking along someone the other day and I smiled at guy, and it was literally like I'd gone into his house on Christmas, stolen all his presents and pissed all over his living room. I was listening to a podcast the other day. Uh, it was Tim Ferriss' podcast and talking about how he now, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, his neighbours come to the door. And, and prior to this, if anyone came to his door, he'd almost answer in some sort of like karate stance, like ready to fight because it's so unusual to have dealing with your neighbours nowadays and that sense of community is almost lost. And that's why I'm, I'm kind of thankful for this pandemic. I'm, I'm hoping that this sense of community is going to continue and it's, it's something that we get back because we are all disconnected from society in 2020. It's weird. It's a very weird day and age. We all feel like we're connected because of the internet, but when it actually comes down to it, like I said, you can't smile at someone on the street without them looking back at you funny. I mean, nine times out of ten, you probably get a smile back, but... I'm sure in the olden days, you, you look at old people, they walk around and they just say hello to everyone. And they they love it. Honestly, they love it. There's no, there's no greater joy for me than walking past an old woman and smiling at her and getting a massive smile back. So I think, oh, I've just made her day. She's She'll love that because that's what they value. They value like a sense of community and people saying hello to each other. Even something such as small as that can just make someone's day. So little side note here. Just keep smiling at people. It's a nice thing to do. So at risk of going into everything in the book and ruin it for you, which I do every episode because it's difficult to talk about a book and and review it without just saying, yeah, it's pretty good. Do you want me to read it to you? Which I'd love to do. Uh, If someone's going to pay me to just read books, 
I'd love that, but I'm here to review it. Lost Connections is a great book, and he ends it in such a nice way. It's not one of those books that's like, oh, look at me. I can do it, so you can do. It's one of those things that he's made this a collective issue. Depression is not limited to the individual. It is a collective thing, and that we do need to all pull together to sort of fix this for everyone. Mental health is so prevalent nowadays, and you'll struggle to find someone that you know that hasn't suffered with it at some stage or or will do not that you're all doomed but you pretty much are especially nowadays so the fact that it is a collective issue and it could instill a sense of sort of community in us if we all sort of do our bit and reconnect with people the world will look like a better place and that is what we love to see now i'm going to do my stoic thought of the week and it's quite relevant to this is if you're listening for the first time, this is where I read a bit from the Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday that I've read that week. Now, this was what we control and what we don't. Now, it's by Epictetus, and this quote reads, I read it word for word just to let you know. Some things are in our control, while others are not. We control our opinion, choice, desire, aversion, and in a word, everything of our own doing. We don't control our body, property, reputation, position, and, in a word, everything not of our own doing. Even more, the things in our control are by nature free, unhindered, unobstructed, while those not in our control are weak, slavish, and can be hindered and are not our own. So, essentially what he's saying there is you are not going to be able to control the external events that happen. It's very prevalent nowadays. Now, what we can control, like Viktor Frankl said, is our attitude towards those things and whatever happens to you in that day, whatever's happening in your life at the moment, between stimulus and response, there is that space and you get to choose your reaction to it and you get to choose your attitude. That will never change. That's what's going to help everyone get through what's going on at the moment. I know things could be a lot worse and we could all be in a concentration camp. But it is a bit shit being isolated and I'm, I'm not to take away from the fact that there are lots of people that are going to be really struggling at the moment. And there's definitely been days where I have as well. But we all still have a choice in how we respond to things. And if you want to use this time or you want to grow and you're going to search for growth in your responses to things, then more power to you. I think that's great. That's the end of this episode. I was really, really gassed to get this out there because I've been so excited reading this book and I've had so many different ideas for it. Um... If you judge me for weeing myself, then I challenge you to honestly have a look at your life from when you're a teenager and tell me that you haven't wet yourself even just a little bit. And I'm sorry if my honesty does offend some people and that you hate psychedelic drugs or anything like that, but I'm a human being. Everyone has a go. So get over it. You don't have to listen to it again. Um, on Instagram, it's at a need to read. On Facebook, it's at a need to read. Add me on Goodreads, message me on Instagram or Facebook and I'll send you the link for the Goodreads. But if you can find me on there, which people are finding quite difficult at the moment, it's a need to read, funny enough. But thank you very much for listening. It has been my pleasure to run through this podcast and I hope that you've taken something from it, um, even if it's just one sort of lesson. If we can all just be a bit kinder to each other, um, we can all share our problems, then the world will be a better place, in my opinion, of course, which, as we've been through before is a moron's opinion but it might stand for something one day take it easy everyone bye bye